Apparently, now. <laughs> We're on. Yeah, geez, you're upbeat. <laughs> that was wasted. Go again, please. And a very good morning, all. Welcome. Oh, you've toned it down a bit. You've toned it down. But you're saying you're a bit tired. A bit sluggish this morning. Well, it was. it's sort of the start of the end for me, Heels, on Mount Cutha. Right. Oh, oh, the first festival's been held, yes. has it? I'm sort of back from, uh, well, I'm back from a couple of weeks' holiday at seven, and I've got two weeks to go. Right. As you well know. How much I, cake did you get in yesterday? No, no, no. That was all a little bit low-key. I had to do an interview, which they're going to run, I think, uh, towards my mm-hmm. last night. So we sat in the studio, the news studio, for about 20 minutes or so, Georgie Chumley and I. And um, then... Who's Georgie Chumley? She's one of our journos. Oh. Mm? I thought you you did a seven interview yesterday too. Yes. Oh, right, to camera. Yeah. You had crash mm. all over you. When yes. did that? Yesterday as well. You've got to do a photo today. Oh, you got photos. Yes, with, uh, with Sess. Notice you've had your hair cut. <laughs> yeah. Very flash. <laughs> so, um, you can't afford to be sluggish at this stage, Paddy. You're only one day into it. Oh, no, no, no. I was fine yesterday, but uh, it was it was a long day, so I'm not getting used. I'm back to getting used to 15-hour days. Yeah, that's right. But there's only a couple of uh, only what, couple of weeks to go. You're what I call a goose. <laughs> Jeez, you've worked hard in the last three years. Christ. It's no good, mate. But I love doing this with you every morning. We're right. at limo service starting at 5 o'clock from Shay Healy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, you were out to dinner with the fam last night. You probably didn't catch up with all the tennis, did yeah. you? Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. You haven't you watched given me the chance to say how tired I am. <laughs> like, no, it was a beautiful dinner we had. Beautiful. Do you think I'm allowed to say the restaurant? I think so. Alonda. Italian, modern Italian in Newstead. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful food and lots of selections. Um, so that was good. I'd had my fill of tennis. God, I watched all afternoon. Andy Murray. Andy Went Murray and Berrettini. Hours. I turned it on and I'm thinking, like, Berrettini, he's number 13. He's got 13 behind his name. Mm. But what's Murray got? Nothing. How did he get into the uh, Australian Open? Did he get a wild card yeah. entry or something? And I'm thinking, how unlucky is Berrettini <laughs> to get this round one? And and Murray was two sets to love up when I turned it on. I'm yeah. thinking, this is done. Berrettini must be dirty. But what the hell was he doing in the first two sets if he could make such a comeback in the next two and then almost in the fifth? Mm. Yeah, he fought back. It's a great story. That's enough for me. The tennis yesterday, that was hard work. <laughs> Jesus. And it was hot, super hot, then raining last night. Yeah, they oh, God, mini delays. hurricane, they say. Oh, so we've had a little bit of everything there. But look, there was good news. So Alexi Popperin has become the new king of late night. Well, when I came home from dinner, I saw him. I didn't recognise him with his haircut. Mm, well, he's copped delays, heat and rain, uh, but he's he's through, which is fantastic. Yeah, he looks like something out of Top Gun. Yeah, he's beaten Taiwan's Jason Cheng, uh, four six seven six six seven seven six six one. So he cruised through that final set. Finished at two o'clock this morning mm. Melbourne time. Not the latest. You know the late night record? Uh, we talked about it last year, I reckon. Yeah, 2008. Leighton Hewitt and Marcus Bagdadis finished at 4.34. Oh. And and we hardly saw Bagdadis after that. <laughs> I, I remember that. I went looking for that little sweaty bloke. <laughs> and uh, he, he didn't play that much after that. But, yeah, that was a, I remember that night. So if you're oh, out there, What time? 4.35. 4.34, <laughs> yes, was the official finish time for that match back in 2008. And they're late and um, you've got doubles at 10 o'clock this morning. No, have we? Straight after. No, that's what they ha- would have had to say to Leighton. 4.34. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right for the doubles. Sleep for a few hours. Yeah. 
Um, Devon all uh, very good last night. Djokovic, uh, both advanced in straight sets, as we expect from the, the guns. I thought one of the best stories for Aussie yesterday was uh, another goal coaster, Kim Birrell. She got the, uh, upset the 31 seed, the number 31 seed, Kaya Kanepi, who was a quarterfinalist last year, so she mm-hmm. handles the service. And uh, she had to fight back from a set down as well. So yeah. it was uh, it was a good well, fighting win. I was in the car listening to that one yesterday mm-hmm. on... Sen and uh, they they were a bit downhearted after she lost uh, that set the second set and then she dominated the third. It was unreal. Remember Johnny Millman was very keen to get out and and watch Kimberly Birrell. Mm-hmm. She, he thought she was going to go well, and she did. Well, Stop he me. hasn't got his wish. The, Why? The, well, the visit to uh, he told us yesterday that he was going to drop by Craig Tiley's office just to see whether he could get caught three again. Where yeah. they're all very close there. The Aussie supporters are almost on top. What's he got? Midnight he's, on Court 17? No, nah, he's got early evening Margaret Court Arena. Oh, no, well, well, he's, that. he's got Medvedev. Yeah. So yeah, it's, okay. you know. He, Medvedev beat him to the office, you're saying? Uh, yes, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no, that's not too bad. The, mm. shouldn't, why do they call it Arena? Why don't they just call it the Margaret Court? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it loses a little bit if they do that, Hills. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the demon, um, he's playing the cards just like John Millman yesterday and pumping up this Aussie crowd because they're going to need the Aussie crowd, you know, right on side. Not that they're not, but he, he, he just loves to rev them up. And uh, he was saying all the right things after this win last night. But, yeah, I'm just happy to be here in Australia playing here in front of you guys. There's no better feeling uh... I mean, it doesn't matter who I play, I'm going to be up for it. And you guys just bring the energy, I'll be ready. So thank you, guys. He and Leighton now planning world domination. You know, Dimonor. Leighton was saying during the commentary, he just needs to get the serve a little more potent because he possesses all the other weapons. Yeah. You know, the ground strokes, the the drop shots, the speed speed. and all that sort of thing. Just needs to pump up the serve a little bit. But he he knows, he's our big hope now. Um, of going through now the Kyrgios is out. He knows that the big guns will uh, will pop up very shortly. Yeah, it's it's a lot of confidence. Uh, I knew I had that level for a while, uh, but to get these wins, it's uh, it's a different level. So now I know I can do it uh, every week. So that's the plan now. I just got to get to play those matches and back myself. So have a lot of confidence, believe in myself, and enjoy what I do out there every day. The Australian Open update, uh, thanks to Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar mm. is now available. Yeah, they're um, pumping that car up. Yeah, so who will we see today? Well, we, lo- we lost a couple overnight as well, although I can tell you the for the Tanasi Kokonakis fans, he's been stranded by the weather down there yesterday, mm-hmm. the, the heat and the rain. He's up two sets to love over Fabio Fognini, who's been around for a long time, and 4-2 in the third. They're saying he's basically five points from victory, but he got stranded up there by the oh, weather. Oh, mate, so was Andy Murray about mid-afternoon yesterday. Mm. But dragged it out. Max Purcell, similar. He's two sets to one down, and it's six all in the fourth. And uh, we lost Jordan Thompson, uh, Jamie Fullis, and Chris O'Connell yesterday. But, look, it hasn't been bad couple of early couple of days. Thompson struggled the in the heat, didn't he? He got right yeah. in the hot bit. Yeah. It was hard work, but he didn't want to go off. He had a three-hour delay and came out. He wasn't wasn't as good. Mm. Hey, uh, tonight, uh, Rinky Hitchikata, who was one of our first-round winners, he comes up against Sitsipas. I don't know whether you caught a bit. Sitsipas, uh, 
He, they love him on tour. He's he's got a he's got a great character. So he's been working on a couple of his Australianisms. And uh, in the interview with Todd Woodbridge, he was saying uh, he started off and, and he won in three sets, but you know he had to battle through the last couple of sets. And Todd said, you know, you had to fight hard for those uh, those last two. So he said, yeah, he said, oh, mate, he said, crikey, that was a rip snorter, mate. <laughs> and and he, he sort of got that right, but uh, he was flat out like a lizard in the water. <laughs> well, they're pretty flat too. Yeah, they're but, drinking or swimming, I suppose. That's true, yeah. <laughs> he, he actually got Todd, he caught Todd out, didn't he? Before, yeah. He'd, he'd thrown a couple out there before Todd sort of say, oh, you're, you're doing the Australian so, lingo. Exactly right. But now, now that he's quite popular now, is he sits past? I don't think he was originally, was it? Because oh, his coach used to talk. Yeah, all the time. I know, I know, I know. But uh, I think he he's become more endearing to the Australian crowd. They yeah. they like him now, and he has that huge Greek following. Obviously, yeah, right. you know, the massive crowds yeah. uh, down there following him around with the flags and that, uh, which is fantastic. Was it was it he and Kyrgios who had a little tiff at uh, one of the tournaments around? They have had good yeah. words. Yeah. I think Nick's had words with most. Yeah, no, good call. Good call. <laughs> Brighton Homes open line is 13 13 55. Love to hear from you this morning. If you've been watching the tennis, there's plenty happening in rugby league. There's plenty oh. happening in cricket as well. The uh, the women are up again today, game two. Yes. Uh, so if you want to see the world champs in action, Meg Lanning is back with them. Get out to AB Field, 10.05 start for game two of this series against Pakistan. Our text line is 0467 736 736. And don't forget, it's just great to have Brighton Homes on board for another year, Hills. Brighton is locking in your price now, you know, until 2024. So that gives you the confidence to build your dream home today. Now, um, plenty happening in rugby league. Strong press conference yesterday. Uh, Mitch Crone is handling the, the rugby league for us at seven now. Gave me a call straight after, after Kurt Capel spoke. And he said, oh, boy, he said, there's plenty of meat in this for tonight's news. They've put the lettuce leaf away, have they? Oh, yeah. And they've started to bring out the whip, mm. the players. Yeah, Jack's just telling me now that we will have a chat to Travis Main from the Courier-Mail a little later on. He's been across this right the way through mm. the summer. I think Pete Bedell's swanning in Fiji or Bali or somewhere like that. You know, so Travis, Travis has been made work all the way through Christmas. And he's doing a great job. He <laughs> had an exclusive in the paper today, which we'll, uh, we'll talk about as well. But... He's been right across this this whole CBA. We, we know the salary cap. And, you know, look, to mere mortals out there, they say, well, hang on a minute. They've just got a 25% pay rise. They've gone up from 9.6 to 12.1 million. But it's about a lot more than that. And so we've, we knew about the Sharks and the Dragons cancelling their media commitments involving the NRL. Today, Heels, the Knights had a whole of squad offering for the media in Newcastle, that's been called off. I know the Dolphins have got one today at Suncorp at about midday. Be interesting to see whether that goes ahead. I'd say that one probably will because that's a general media call. It's mainly these what they call content collects for the NRL, where they're going in and they you know they do the photos and the pictures with the smoke and mirrors and all that sort of stuff. So th- there's a lot going on with this, and we'll we'll talk to Trav a little later on, but. Here's Kurt Capewell, and you know, they're not ruling out strike action. We don't want it to come to that. If the NRL are going to sit on their heels and, and not budge, then who knows where it's going to go. I can't work out whether they're sitting on their heels or they're not budging. No. Are they getting answers? or Are they getting answers that they don't like or are they not getting answers, mm. uh, the Players Association? It sounds to me like there's no discussion whatsoever. Well, the... 
the the NRL came out with a very terse statement yesterday afternoon and basically said there is ongoing discussions. And basically that's it. No one from the NRL talking at this stage. I know the uh, the, the Players Association would love Volandis to come become involved as the, uh, you know, the, the head of the commission. Why? Just as long as someone's involved. Is mm. someone involved, do you think? I just thought there was a standoff. Well, but if they're Andrew at the table Andrew's every day the... working their way through these issues, mm. which you've got a lot lot to do, how is that salary getting split up between yeah. your 30 players and, and how far does it filter down? And then what are the other conditions we're, we're after? Yeah. There's got to be medical. There's got to be workplace relations and, and all the conditions of that workplace. Um, and then post-career, yeah, yeah, post-career stuff, the women, there's a lot to, lot to get talking mm. about. Yeah, so... Capewell is saying that there is a united front here from the, the 17 teams. This is the most united the playing group's ever been. You know, we are all like brothers and sisters. Um, we all go through the same things day in, day out. We all train our backside off. We all put our body on the line week in, week out. And we've all got a you know, limited time, limited career. So we as a collective are trying to get the, the best deal and the fairest deal for players. So the body on the line issue uh, obviously is a, is a key to them and the injury cover through the CBA was also raised yesterday. Andrew Fafita is a perfect case, he's had to have eight or nine surgeries in 12 months Like he, by all means he'd he much rather stagger those surgeries out over you know, two or three years but the, the thing is in the CBA in the current CBA you can't, you've got 12 months to get your, keep your body fixed so there's a lot of stuff mate, there's that, there's um, obviously stuff for our younger, lower-tier guys. And, and, and as I said, it's the first CBA for the women's game, so we want to get it right. And they haven't even started to discuss that stuff. It's supposed to be in for now, isn't it? Mm. The start of this year. Come on. Get it sorted, please. Show some mm. respect and get to the table. Mm. Okay, Vanessa's here with a special guest today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast with Pat and Heels on 693 SENQ. Traffic and weather together. At Upper Coomera, there's some debris on the road on the Pacific Motorway northbound towards Pimpama at Palm Beach. We've got a broken down car earlier on the Pacific Highway northbound. Uh, some delays around there. There's some planned roadworks causing some delays southbound on the Bruce Highway at Caboolture and also just some congestion on the Bruce Highway southbound at Kalanga. Today's forecast, partly cloudy, a top of 29 degrees, mostly sunny and 30 tomorrow. Right now, it's 20 degrees. Well, I hope you're happy. Why is that? You've got my co-host with spreading angst before we went <laughs> on air this morning. You've bought mm. a Sandgate Gator. Yes, I into have into the studio, <laughs> yeah. causing some tension. Um, brought my my son Jed in today. Yes, when I explained how he plays for the Sandgate Gators. Um, <laughs> Didn't go too oh. well, down too well with Mr. Norths over here. Oh, no, there's, there's a bit of Northside rivalry. A little bit of punch-up, no eye contact, uh, yeah. and a lot of sledging. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll learn all about that, Jed. Yeah. <laughs> and none, none of it comes from the North boys. It's always Sango. Okay, okay. Anyway, I just but reminded him who's about your Mitchell favorite? Swepson. Yeah, so. that's right. Swepo, your favourite? Yeah, oh, there's been plenty of great <laughs> Sangators. Don't worry. All right, we're coming up to 6.20. We best get to a break. I don't know if it's possible to get to the bottom of this whole CBA row between the NRL and the Players Association, but we're going to try. Yes. And a man who's been at the heart of it right the way through, he's been carrying the career mail on his shoulders, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Travis Moe. He has. I don't know where Pete Bedell's been. I see he's got a sharing a byline in the paper today, but I think Pete's just been 
relaxing barley somewhere, sipping on cocktails, yep. while poor Trav has been doing the whole lot. Morning, Trav. Hey, guys. How are you? It's tough work, I'm telling you. Why Bedell's running 48 kilometres a day, getting ready for the marathon this year. So is he? Oh, he's got to carry the ship. He's obsessed, Bedell, is he, with this running caper? <laughs> he thinks he's Queensland's Elliot Kipchoge, mate. So, there you go. <laughs> Hey, we'll talk about the exclusive with uh, this young player that the Cowboys have, have grabbed from under the Broncos' nose uh, in a minute. But if if someone said to you, can you sum up this CBA, RLPA, NRL row in a couple of sentences, what would you say? I'd say you need a degree in astrophysics to maybe get some <laughs> way around it all. Like, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a bit too much for the average punter and... I don't think the fans have really cared that much up until now and the players are starting to get serious about it all. They're, they're refusing to do anything promotional for the NRL. So no shooting content, photos, not doing interviews with NRL.com journalists, um, which is a little bit ridiculous, but it, it's all just got a little bit too far now. Um, I think I think the fans are probably going to start turning on the players a little bit, um, to be honest. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, which then reflects poorly on the NRL as well. But, uh, you know, at a time where... There's never been more money and and a readiness to get back from COVID. Both parties aren't happy. What? Why are they so cranky and why aren't they getting this done? Yeah, well, essentially, it's, it's it's coming down to them arguing over a, a few sort of little factors within the CBA, like things like hardship funds, injury funds, retirement funds. The players want control of, of all of that. They they want around fifty million dollars put into these funds, and they want to be able to control it themselves via the the RLPA, which is their union. So the NRL, they're not willing to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Peter Volandis is a very tough negotiator and he just doesn't want to give them the money to to use at their own will. Like So the NRL wants them to prove over about five years um, whether they can manage it, how they plan to manage it, how they plan to implement it. But the players are saying, look, it's our share of the revenue. We should get to use it how we want to. And that's where they're at at the moment. Yeah, okay. And, and when's the last time we heard a sporting uh, debate like this or discussion like this, a compromise? You know, the, our cricketers just basically got what they wanted by saying no all the time. And and here we are, the NRL are saying no all the time. There's got to be yeah, some compromise think, on a lot of issues. There is, yeah. Like, usually in a negotiation, I put this to Kurt Capel yesterday, you've got two parties on different sides and they generally meet somewhere in the middle. Now, the players are saying the NRL's not willing to negotiate at all on certain factors. They just don't want to even discuss it. Um, whether that's the case or not, I'm not entirely sure. There's always two sides to every story. Uh, but I do think they need to get to the negotiating table, thrash it out. Volandis and Abdo need to sit down with the, the, the players' union. And I think they need to get some of the senior players on there, like uh, Christian Welch. He's leading a lot of it for, out of Melbourne. And then yeah. you've got guys like Daly Cherry Evans and Kurt Capewell in Sydney and Brisbane as well that have been very vocal and sort of at the centre of it all. So I think they really need to get down around the table and just figure this out because the season's only about six weeks away. And it's just a little bit ridiculous with the amount of money being thrown around. You're right, Trav. I mean, public perception is that they sit down and they just look at, oh, well, hey, they've just thrown 25% onto the salary cap. Surely the players are benefit- benefiting from that. But now that they're starting to withdraw their services from certain things, now there is a little bit of peak in the public interest. Yeah, I think the, the sort of pendulum swung a little bit in favour of the players now. They, they sense that they've got a little bit more power, that they're feeling more empowered and they want to sort of maximise that before they sign a new deal. So, look, they're, they're, they're saying that they're happy, well, mostly happy with, you know, the 25% increases the NRL sort of trying to sell it to them. Uh, but they, they just want more cover when it comes to other things, like if a player's career's ended early, 
by an injury or you know someone's forced into retirement how how they're sort of supported after that yeah. um especially when they end their careers and they need multiple surgeries they've only got about a 12 month window to get them done and paid for by their, their club as opposed to maybe stretching it out over a longer period. So, look, I, I do see that there's arguments on both sides, but the, the sort of end of the day, they just need to sit down and figure it out and get on with it so we can get some footy underway. And you have to be organised, right? So when you say, righto, we'll give up some of this, I, I, can't, I can't believe that the players won't accept some uh, consultation with the NRL on how these funds are initiated and executed. They, they should be joint uh, looked after, surely. Well, the, the NRL is saying that they're willing to do that, but the players want full control. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know exactly. There's always, you know, the, the truth's always somewhere in the middle. Um, but they, they just really need to sit there and figure it out and like get get a concrete plan in place. And look, we'll give you this amount for injury funds, but you need to prove to us over a certain period of time that you can manage it adequately. The money's not going to be blown. Because the NRL's argument is that when COVID hit, the game was essentially broke, right? Yes. Yeah. And they just don't want to be in that position again. They they want to they want to use this money instead of pushing it all into other areas of the game or sharing it more with a larger salary cap. They want to they want to invest some money elsewhere. They've bought Gambaros in Brisbane. They want to invest significant money every year over the next ten years to build up an asset base outside of broadcast revenue. Because when that stops, the game's got no money. Yeah, it must be administered together. No question. Even if it. For the next five years, they do it together. Um, because, yeah, because of those reasons, they're not their funds, hmm. the players. So, but when the players give up, give up some of that, they have to be organised, right? They have to say, right, well, we're yeah, giving that's, you that's, up this. The, you yeah. can do this for us over here. They have to be. You have to be pulling strings everywhere. Yeah, and these these boycotts of promotional activities and that, that that is a flow-on effect when it comes to producing content to promote the game, to get eyeballs on TV and, and stuff like that. So. You know, these things can be very difficult to overcome. There's only short periods in the pre-season to do all this filming and photos and interviews and that before the season gets underway. So yeah. it can have some pretty big implications. All right, it'll be watch this space and I but, know you'll be the, right across but it. But the reason they're doing that is to get them to the table, right? So exactly. that's yeah. the reason. Yeah. Like in cricket, we threatened a strike. We said if there's not constructive discussions by next Wednesday, we plan to strike in eight weeks' time. So rugby league could say, right, well, it's round eight is in jeopardy if you don't get back to the table and start to start to talk with us. Yeah, and I spoke to Christian Welch last night, who's sort of the senior figure amongst the players, and I said, have you spoken to Peter Valenti and Andrew Abdo uh, like personally? And he said, no, I haven't. I said, yeah. well, maybe you need to. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't. Well, I know they delegate the, the, the union on their behalf, Clint Newton and his offsiders at the RLPA to do the negotiations for him. But it's hit a point where maybe the players actually have to get their point across as yeah. to what they want. Yep. Hey, just quickly, Trav, nice exclusive in the paper today about uh, a boom Townsville product, Caden Lars. We, uh, those of us old enough to remember, remember his dad, Tom Leroy Lars, large, oh. large man. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a good, it's a good get for the Cowboys. Yeah, very good. They're very excited up in North Queensland about this one. They love nothing more than getting one over the Broncos. And the Broncos had this kid on their books for the last few years. Um, Tom's not actually that old. so <laughs> it, it wasn't that long ago that he was running around exactly. and he was a massive human. So uh, the young fellow seems to go all right. There's very big raps on him. He's still in school. He's still in school this year. He finishes at the end of this year and he'll go straight into the Cowboys' full-time development system. So... You know, one, the Broncos, I'm sure, wanted to hold on to. Um, but, you know, a good score for the Cowboys on the back of what they did last year under Todd Payton.
Good stuff, mate. Great story. And thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it, mate, given the fact that you haven't had a day off for three and a half months while Bedell's been holiday. <laughs> thanks, Trev. Uh, all the best, Paddy, mate, and all the best for you and uh, you wind up in the next few days, mate. So enjoy. Yes, uh, the Courier Mail and, uh, and Crash actually bought me lunch the other day. Good. Very pleasant. Yeah, a big, big exclusive coming in the weekend papers, I hear. So yeah, you you got him for a steak, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Trev. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate it. Right. Now on Breakfast with Pat and Heels, Heels gets his gloves off. I've been thinking what we all might want the Wallaby legacy to be and what Eddie Jones's first steps will need to be because I'm currently reading the book Legacy, which fully explains the resurgence of the New Zealand All Blacks who'd lost their way in the early 2000s and it's, it's a magnificent explanation of how they did it. Uh, the single most important part of Graham Henry's turnaround was the creation of a leadership group, he says. A player group that talked rugby again. They Some nights they had social nights where they'd put their club rugby jerseys on and sit around and talk rugby and have a beer and feel very, very grounded to the sport once again. Remembered where they came from. They encouraged questions in the, in the team environment and made sure it was a, a wonderful learning environment. And... Uh, the, the, there's a fellow called Wayne Smith, there was Graham Henry, there was Anoka who was a more a psychological skills person and Steve Hansen, the current all-black coach, was in this group that created uh, the resurgence and they constantly asked questions of each other, uh, the players and the staff and vice versa all the time. The jersey, like the baggy green, had to be had to mean much more than it just being a football jersey that they pulled on every match. And this is where a young Richie McCaw came to the fore. The Wallaby player voice, for me, has been drowned out and must improve. So the players have skin in the game. How could anyone lead from the middle one week and then from the bench the next and then have a rest the next one after that in the last little turbulent period of the Wallabies? I'm very interested to see how Eddie Jones creates... Uh, something similar to the legacy campaign of the All Blacks and who the chosen ones for the Wallabies will be to stimulate and represent that playing group and its feelings. You know, who's going to be the, the next fullback? Let's uh, let's talk about it on the listeners. Can, can text text in and uh, talk to us. Who, who might the chosen ones be? Who's going to be the hooker? Who might be the halfback? Is it going to be Nick White or is it going to be Tate McDermott? Who knows? Will Michael Hooper lead again? Um, who are going to be the preferred men at 5'8 and fullback? I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts because Eddie Jones has got a lot to build uh, and uh, we might be able to help him. 131355, all that text line as Heels mentioned, 0467 736 736. While you were going through uh, your gloves off, I was just reading another article. Yeah, you weren't even listening. Well, no, I, I was reading a Jones-related uh, article that may add value add to your piece. Right. And he said... He did an interview overnight, and he said that number one developing the young union players or young rugby players is his is his key. But then, getting back the ones that started off as rugby players, and he's got a bit of a hit list. Uh, mm. uh, they're surmising the the Daily Telegraph and uh, and others are, are surmising, but uh, they're saying right at the top of the target list is Joseph Suhaliki. Yeah, so. He's uh, he starred for Samoa during last year's Rugby World Cup and uh, Rugby League World Cup in England. Represented Australian schoolboys in 2019 before making his NRL debut. Mm. Uh, Will Penasini, 
from uh, the Parramatta Reels. And the other, the other one that really interests me is Melbourne Storm giant, the Colossus, Nelson Asafa Solomona. Yeah. And he's already expressed an interest. So He has expressed an interest, or Eddie Jones in him. I think they've been courting both sides. Courting? Of, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so they're saying that, that Asafa Solomona has already explored the possibility of playing for the Wallabies, meeting with former Australian coach Dave Rennie in 2021. Where do they get their dough from, rugby? They've been on their their knees since since the um, Israel Falau saga, surely. Yeah. He did he did say, uh, I never divorced Australian rugby. They divorced me. Now we're remarrying. Who said you can't go to the altar twice? Yeah. Uh, good call. <laughs> uh, but get into it. Uh, go poaching. Go poaching hard. Don't disenfranchise some of your current players, those that have been putting in very strongly for the Wallabies in the last couple of years. You don't want to don't want to turn them away. Um, but just just get them playing football yeah. again. And players, start talking football and, you know, stop getting injured and start working. Every session has got to be about perfection and winning. Yeah. So along with uh, Eddie, the, the RA chairman, Hamish McLennan, has also spoken. He said, Eddie and I believe we can win the World Cup this year. It's only eight months away. That's a lot to do, but we really believe we can give it a fair shake. I think Eddie's arrival is going to be a whole-of-game reset that Eddie will lead. I think in quite, in life, often you mature with age, and I think he's a better coach than 20 years ago. And whole of game, I wonder what that means. Does it mean whole, whole of sport? The whole sport gets a revamp and, uh, you know, energy put into it, or is it just the way the Wallabies are playing? Mm. I wonder. Both, I'm sure. It will. Hopefully it'll be both. Yeah, well, the chair saying, look, he performs really well at World Cups. We're aware of that. That's critical for us. And then we have the home World Cup in 2027. Why do you reckon we have scrums in rugby? Well, I mean, they're vital to rugby. Why? Because when's the last time you saw one win against the feed? Oh, no, I've seen, yeah. Where win? Well, just in recent matches. Like one? Yeah, well, one. Yeah. Is that worth, What the ball's not really in contest. No, it? no, you, you, you're not, you're not going to win that argument with any rugby person about scrum. I'm not having an argument. No. I'm just saying. They, uh, they pack a scrum, it takes a minute to yeah, pack a no, scrum, then yeah. they reset it. And so now the game's gone three minutes on one scrum and everyone knows who's probably going to win the ball. It's not, it's not even contest. Mm. It goes to the head all the time. But a line-out's more, more uh, in contest, I reckon. Oh, yeah, the scrums are tests of strength. They sap them. Yeah, I, I, I quite like the rugby scrums. But, yeah, mm. I agree. That takes too long to set. Well, I want the ball to go right in the middle. Yeah, here's Oscar Go saying. in the middle. Do you think it goes in the middle? Yeah. Does not. <laughs> now I'm having an argument. No, now you're mixing up League and Union. <laughs> uh, Heels, you can't build a, a blue-collar culture with pampered, soft, private school boys. Wallabies should recruit a team of leagueies. That's from Oscar. Well, that'll stir them up. Oscar, thank you. Well, that's what they're trying to do, for sure. <laughs> and they're talented, talented uh, old leagueies too. Mm. Lee's saying league. Australian rugby don't play enough together because we have a different team every game and nobody can bond. We need to pick and stick with players every match and... Well, we've played a lot of tests last year, Lee. Uh, and you're right, there was experimentation uh, under the guise of getting them ready. And Well, there's no development gone on in important positions, has there? 5-8. Who's our 5-8? Five, who's our five eight? Well, we've had, we've had Quaid out for so long with that but he with was injury. But he was out. He wasn't the 5-8 before that. They put him in and then he got injured. Yeah. But who did he get put in for? Right? You don't well, even remember well, James, James O'Connor. Yeah. He got injured. Then they brought Quaid in. But who did James O'Connor take over from? Noah Lolosio. 
He was 22. He's probably 24 and a half by now, and we've wasted two and a half years mm. where we could have been developing that. But it's And we're no closer. So he's got to get some development work into these players and confidence because confidence is more more important to a sports person than technique sometimes. Well, they're all talking a very big game. Who? Rugby Australia. Yeah, rugby, yeah. yeah. Win the World Cup this year. Mm-hmm. Hey, Oaks, I've been looking forward to this all morning. Yeah. He's the godfather of professional surfing. Righto. That's a and he hasn't he's taken it on too, hasn't he? He hasn't given up yet. He's entrepreneurial. He's been in the trade. You've got a list of list of Rabbit's achievements here going back to nineteen seventy two, the Australian schoolboy surfing champion. And it goes through virtually to the current day of doing things. It's just sensational. Rabbit, very good. Wayne Bartholomew, the ledge. Thanks for joining us on the show this morning, mate. Oh, morning, Patty. Morning, Heels. Uh yeah, look, I put it down. I'm just the king of reinvention. That's all I am. <laughs> not, not a bad call. I'm going to take you straight to when you're president of the ASP, right, well, after your career, were you guys, uh, the surfers, uh, well-respected? No, we were a bit of a rabble uh, at, the, at the beginning, um, particularly both structurally but, but image-wise as well. I mean, surfing uh, didn't enjoy the, the greatest image in the, in the 70s. It was, considered just a bunch of beach bums and they yeah you know, they wore it as a badge of honor i got to tell you yeah. but um you, you know but when there was just a handful of us that wanted to, to really make it a professional sport yeah so so that in, in these this day and age of the rugby league players feeling they're being disrespected i wondered what it was like right from the word go and now in surfing uh, all seems to be going perfectly it is, you know, it's it's grown uh, exponentially around the world. I mean, it truly is a global sport. I mean, there's, there's now something like 38 million surfers in the world. Of course, they're not all professional. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people surf. Everyone surfs. Yeah. You look at the ads on TV, there's surfing in every one of them. Good call. What about your the early days, mate? I, I love that here. One of the lines from Wiki says, as a teenager, Wayne would often surf before, after, and occasionally during <laughs> school hours. <laughs> Oh, look, I had a great headmaster in Bill Callanan from Miami High School. <laughs> Actually, the world's first schoolboy surf comp, and I think that was done to keep me at school, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I tell these young people now that they're in the sports excellence programs and they're having a bit of a grumble about the surf being a bit crappy, a bit onshore. And I said, mate, what you blokes are doing now, I used to get the cane for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're getting pushed out there. What what, what do you mean a bit onshore? To explain that to us a little bit. And so you want, oh, you want an you know, offshore breeze? Yeah, you, the offshore breeze is the perfect one. I mean, you know, we're, we're blessed here in southeast Queensland. We we get a lot of uh, southerlies, all, mm. all the point breaks. They're famous sand bottom point breaks the world over. And, the, you know, the waves are usually good, but sometimes... You know, in the afternoon when it's at sports time at school, the winds come on shore. Maybe even a couple of blue bottles will come in, and I, that's when I crack the whip and I go, "Okay, get out there!" Yeah. <laughs> now we're here, and we're running out of time. But I can talk to you all day, yeah. but we're here to promote the Usher Cup, which is just a yeah. wonderful initiative, mate, isn't it? It it helps bring the kids mm. through. Yeah, it's the grass. It's grassroots, Patty. And you know, this year we've um, got a World Club Challenge. It's never been done before. We've got teams here from. Shonan Beach in Japan, Maui, Huntington Beach, Santa Cruz in California, New Zealand, uh, and of course Indonesia, and um, it's incredible. You know, it's uh, you know we're super thrilled to have them here and host them, and 
they're going to be going up against the, the great Australian clubs, like, you know, Snapper Rocks and North Narrabee mm. and North Shore up there on the sunny coast. So it's just awesome. It's going to be over four days, starting tomorrow, going right through until Sunday. Male and female yep. surfers competing for prize money in 2023 as well. And it's going to be down at, at the most famous uh, of beaches uh, you know, of the coast, down there around that Snapper area. That's right, Paddy. And, uh, you know, conditions are looking good. And, um, you know, the, the Snapper Club is hosting. And it's all set up and ready to go. So we're, we're pretty pumped. And now the Usher part of it is that what you mean patty it ushers juniors through or what is what is what does usher mean wayne oh look ushers ushers actually usher, the usher group's actually a, a, a very well-known paint company though a few years ago mayor tom tate awarded them the uh the, the business of the year on the gold coast so a super established business and they've got a a, a grassroots um charity but there's a massive charity drive in this event yes. we give about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars away to 10 local charities so there's just lots of community involvement in this and usher usher right behind it and are they behind your merchandise i've seen your merch that what is that logo please they're sort of like a skeleton isn't it yeah, no, well, that's just a logo for, for the event. Um, you know, they've they got a whole arts department in there, and so it's just uh, something that, you know, surfers always are a bit out there and yeah. stuff like that, and uh, it's, it's just along those lines. But this is grassroots club surfing, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked to have Usher on board. It's just awesome. Uh, and, and it's always fantastic to talk to you. Hey, uh, we've got to go because we've got to get to the news. <laughs> um, yep. One word, yes or no, can Steph win another one? Yes. Oh, yes. I love when you talk yes. like that. And will we ever get that big that big uh, tournament back at Snapper? Yes. Oh, yes. Good answers. We could have done 15 minutes like that. <laughs> we're, we're, getting all, we're getting all the right answers from you, Rabbit. Hey, mate, great, yeah. to, great to chat. And uh, I just I love your commentary. I love your passion. And I hope the Usher Cup's a wild success for you. Yeah. Well, thanks, oh, Thanks, Paddy. Yeah, love you guys too, man. Much respect. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Wayne Rabbit Bartholomew, our uh, former world champion, and just uh, he, what he doesn't do for surfing, you, you know, you can't remember. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Eh? Um, I, he's obviously very close with Tom Tate, the mayor, you know, and he's doing this now, got this up and running so that he keeps him in mind for what was ours called? The Billabong. Billabong, what, what was that tournament at Snapper Heads? What do you call uh, it? Championships. Yeah, Billabong Pro, yeah. Quicksilver. Yeah, which yeah. got taken away. Yeah, it was taken off the CT, off the championship tour. Yeah, yeah. we've got to get that back. Australian mm-hmm. Open update. Doing his 38th interview for the week, Brett Phillips. Good morning, mate. Good morning, gentlemen. Nice to uh, be with you. Just a lazy 2.05 a.m. finish for Lexi <laughs> Hopper and uh, mornings. No, no, no. Hang on a minute. You're <laughs> exaggerating. You're exaggerating. <laughs> I read it was 2.02. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you had to do the wrap-up. Exactly. That's where the extra three minutes It, it could be worse, Brett. You could have an artificial hip and have to play full speed for four hours 49. Oh, How did Andy that Murray. I, I don't know. That standing ovation lasted some time here yesterday. It was, uh, it was brilliant. Uh, I think I could heard that. I heard that hip clicking uh, just near <laughs> me when he was uh, near, our, near our little bunker. But, uh, you know, he... He even drew. I, I just I we zoomed in on Ivan Lendl, and I think there was just the smallest of little movement of his lips. <laughs> uh, just the, might have indicated a little smirk of some sorts because it is like you know watching Weekend at Bernie's with Ivan sitting in the uh, player box.
but look, Andy Murray, yeah, that, that, it was story of the day. Absolutely the story of the day. Uh, to beat Berrettini. Now, they're calling it the Netflix uh, curse uh, down here. Right. Because uh, Breakpoint's come out in the last few days and all the stars have, you know, fallen by the wayside. Kyrgios, Tom Yanovich pulling out. Now Berrettini going out first round, who's been one of the, the key characters of the doco. But, yeah, Murray, uh, I mean... Berrettini would have been looking down thinking, hang on, I'm 25 here, I'm 10 years younger. You know, I should be able to get through here and just mm. crank up that forehand. But Murray uh, psychologically had him, tactically had him. He's still got, he's a crafty uh, competitor who's just still got the, the willingness to get himself out there. It's just absolutely brilliant. He won a lot of admirers yesterday. Now, summing up, the way I said, we've got Millman, Hidjakata, Dimonor, Kubler, and on hold with matches because of the heat and the rain yesterday, Kokonakis and Purcell, and Olivia Gadecki and, and, and uh, oh yes, and and then Kim Birrell as well in the uh, in the women's. Yep. yep, yeah, it's a state of play. So yeah, Kokonakis, Vukic, and Purcell to resume back today. Gee, Kokonakis was good last night. He was you know two games away. I'd say, now, Fabio Fanini uh, last night, I mean, I, I'd go as far as to say, as, as good as uh, Kokonakis was, it was almost tanking uh, yeah. last night from Fabio. Yeah, I've read there was a few false. There was a few false starts to get out on court. And it was uh, it was blowing a gale, uh, fever pitch crowd supporting the Aussie like they did with Kyrgios and Kokonakis last year. And Fabio just said that, look, I don't want to be here. You know, I've been around the traps. I've been world number nine. I'm not doing this for cash. Uh, and he just rolled through, and those first two sets just um, went uh, pretty quickly, 4-2 down in the third, and yeah, he didn't look, look, look like he was overly engaged, but Kokonakis does look on. I, I'm so wrapped he's had a little bit more prep time than last year, and you know if he gets through, well, he's going to get through. You know, Taking on Andy Murray, who they might wheel out in the wheelchair. Oh. <laughs> Slowest walk back to the locker room I've seen of anyone at the tennis. So Kokonakis could have a little run here. Yeah. Hey, we had John Millman on, uh, and he was great yesterday. But he said he was sore after his five. So you're right. How would Andy Murray be feeling? Well, it's a huge night. Uh, I mean, we're going to have possibly all three, Kubler, Millman and, and Hinchy Carter all playing at the same time. So prime time uh, tonight, and, and they'll be guaranteed to play because the roof will be closed if the, the weather's a little ordinary. But, yeah, whether John um, can repeat the heroics, I mean, tough, you know, 33, trying to back up. We saw it sort of in Adelaide last week. He had, you know, a little mini resurgence, but played back-to-back days. And when he played Davidovich for Kina, he just looked out on his feet. So... Yeah, Medvedev tonight, we know he's pretty ruthless. Uh, Daniel, he just gets to the task and um, he's putting pressure on him from game one. I mean, Kubler could certainly beat Hutchinov. That is very winnable for Jason. And Hiji Carter, I mean, to take on Sitsi Pass. You know, he's gone from court eight. Uh, they've rolled out the red carpet for Rinky and said, come across to Rod Laver. You were that good on uh, court number eight in round one. So, yeah, it's great to see, you know, three Aussies all playing at the same time and two, I think, with a, a real genuine chance. Yeah, I'm pleased to see Alejandro David, Davidovich Vahina through. He's got the nice. greatest name in world sport. Five-set win. Yep. Yeah, against, uh, it was public, yeah. So he he's a he's a good good player. He wears the different coloured socks. Uh, he He's just got energy. I mean, he loves getting airborne. He's a player that could certainly... You know, get towards the top 30 of men's uh, professional tennis and then we'll just see where he lands. He made his mark in Monte Carlo last year. He made that 1,000 final, was runner-up to uh, Pass, and 
yeah, no, he's, he's an exciting player. And if we have to call him on radio, we'll just find a way to um, just mix up the name. I don't know if I can keep going Davidovich for Kenneth Forehand, Davidovich or Kenneth Backhand. <laughs> it's just uh, giving me nightmares heels. Yeah, a little volley. Chuck that one in. But what about the the roods and the runes of the world? What, what, what's doing there? Yeah, well, Casper had to work pretty hard uh, last night to uh, to get through. That was the last match on uh, Margaret Court Arena. Dropped a set, but uh, was okay and uh, restored order. Holger yesterday beating Krajinovic, the Serbian, he looked really, really good. So, I mean, he could certainly have a run. He's got huge aspirations, uh, this young man. And we thought, you know, when Kyrgios was in the draw, that was going to be a likely third-round matchup. Okay. So it opens up even more for Holger to have a run. Look, just marking down, he's going to do some damage on this tour, uh, and he's he's doing a fair bit of it at just 19. So, yeah, long road ahead. Brett, very quickly, uh, Olivia Gadecki, Queenslander, up today. Uh, Kostuk, any chance of beating? Well, I would say that Olivia has got a chance. I mean, Marta's still young in her career. Uh, made you know a great impression here as a 15-year-old. She's inside the top 100 as a what 19, 20-year-old. And you know, if Olivia can really uh, bring her big game and find her range, who knows? Uh, Kia Arena. She's going to have the crowd behind her. Hopefully, she can really soak that up and bring them along for the journey. Uh, I would say it's not impossible, uh, Pat, but, yeah, Kostiuk is a, a really decent player who had some good leading form in Adelaide as well. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that rolls later on. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. Pleasure. Thank good you. luck, Brett. Really appreciate it, yeah. We've still got quite a few alive here, so you know, we'd love to get a few through into that third round, wouldn't we? I reckon we're good enough, too. Yeah. We're supposed to be, aren't we? Like with um, Kubler, now with two good knees... Uh, his talent can come to the fore, and that's yeah. what's happening.